Let's turn to James chapter 3. And while you're turning there, I want to tell you the story of David Brainerd, one of my heroes. David Brainerd was one of the first missionaries to the American Indians, 1700s, when he was alive. And when he was 17 or 18 years old, he became saved. What happened was he'd been going to church all his life. He'd read the Bible quite a bit. But there was one point when he was 17, 18 years old, where all of a sudden God changed his heart. He knew there was a God. He knew God had created him personally. He knew that he had turned his back on God and sinned against God and deserved eternal punishment from God. And God just convicted him, broke him. He knew he needed a savior. He reached out to Jesus, clung to him, trusted Jesus as his savior and as his Lord and as his all-satisfying treasure. And David Brainerd was saved and transformed and converted. And God poured out his Holy Spirit upon David Brainerd. Here's an instance that he describes. He wrote this in his journal. He said, the Lord by his grace so shined into my heart that I enjoyed full assurance of his favor. In prayer, I found unspeakable sweetness and delight in God. My soul dearly loved all mankind and longed exceedingly that they should enjoy what I enjoyed. So David Brainerd was powerfully saved, converted, transformed. But even though he'd been powerfully saved, converted, and transformed, he still needed to watch his words. He needed to be careful about what he said. And the reason I say that is because two years later, He was at a school in America being trained to be a a missionary, and right close to when he graduated, one day he had pride in his heart, and he spoke so offensively, so insultingly about a professor that the board of the school had an emergency session. They met, they, they talked, what should we do? And they decided they had to expel David Brainerd and could not give him his degree because of the seriousness of what he'd said devastating to him. David Brainerd was powerfully saved by God, but he had to watch his words. We've been powerfully saved by God through Jesus, and we need to watch our words. And that's the point from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Let's look at what he says. I'll read, follow along with me. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Listen to what James says. Start with verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, We guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, 
setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James 3, 1 through 12. Now, the first question we need to ask about this passage is, what is James' main point? And the reason we want to ask that question is because it's not obvious what his main point here is. Look at verse 1. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now, we saw weeks back, chapter 1, that James is writing this letter to some believers who had been part of James' church in Jerusalem, but who fled from James' church to avoid persecution. So they were up in the Syrian northern Palestine area, settled down, had started regular worship gatherings, and it sounds like some of them wanted to become teachers in those worship gatherings. So James warns them, not many of you should become teachers. Now you could think, okay, so James is talking to those who want to become teachers. I don't want to become a teacher. I'll just take the morning off here. What's happening on Facebook or whatever? No, it's not what you should do because James here starts off talking to those who want to become teachers, but in the rest of the passage, he broadens out his, po- his topic to apply to all of us. Look at verse 2. He says, we all stumble in many ways. That includes all of us. Verse 8, where he says, no human being can tame the tongue. And that applies to all of us. So James is not here just talking to those who want to be teachers. It's clear that he broadens out, and he's talking about how all of us struggle with our words. All of us need to watch our words carefully. All of us need to be cautious about what's coming out of our mouths. And so I think his main point in verses 1 through 12 is be careful about your words. Watch your words. Be attentive to what you're saying. Now, why? Why is it so important to watch our words? And as I looked at verses 1 through 12, I saw five reasons that James gives. Five powerful reasons. And here's what I'm praying God will do. He's been starting to do this in me as I've been working on this passage. I want it more this morning, and I'm praying this will happen for all of us, is that we will leave here this morning attentive to our words, thinking about our words, cautious about our words, careful about our words because of these five reasons. So what are the five reasons? First, we should be careful about our words Because we will all be judged by our words. Very sobering. Look at verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now, obviously, this is talking about those who want to teach. Sobering verse for me. I'm called to be a teacher, which means my words are going to be judged with greater strictness. 
So does that mean that the rest of you aren't going to be judged for your words? I don't think so. It just means you're not judged with the same strictness. See that? Pastor's words are judged with greater strictness. Everyone else's words are judged with lesser strictness. Do you see that? Do you really see that, okay? So pastor's words, greater strictness, which means that everyone else, every other follower of Jesus, not as great strictness, but still some level of strictness. And that's exactly what Jesus taught us. I think James is reflecting on Jesus' teaching here. Back in Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37. Listen to what Jesus says here. And he's talking here to everyone. Matthew 12, 36 and 37. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. This is Jesus with great love warning us. People will give account of every careless word they speak. For by your words, you'll be justified on the day of judgment. And by your words, others of you will be condemned on the day of judgment. So our words at the final day of judgment, every careless word, be held to account. Our, our words are going to be judged, and our words will either justify us before God, or our words will condemn us before God. Now, what does that mean? When Jesus says that our words justify us before God, he's not saying that our words will earn us forgiveness before God. Our words will earn us a righteous standing before God. This is just like what we saw James teaching last week. If you weren't here last week, listen to last week's message. Jesus is not saying that our words earn salvation for us. Here's what he is saying. Our words will show that we have the genuine faith that connects us to Jesus who did earn our salvation for us. We don't earn salvation. We can never be righteous enough to be saved. We trust Jesus. And our words will show whether we have the genuine faith that connects us to the one who did earn salvation for us. Do you see the difference? Please don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying here. Your words will justify you in that last day, not because they will have earned righteousness for you, but because they'll show that you had the genuine faith that connected you to Jesus who did earn salvation for you. And that does not mean that our words need to be perfect to justify us in that way. None of us has perfect words. None of us has this last week, and none of us, to our shame, will this coming week. But here's how it works. If, if we love Jesus, if we trust Jesus Christ from the heart, his love, his beauty, his glory, will so melt our hearts and so fill our hearts that our words through our lives will be more and more Christ-honoring, more and more loving, more and more compassionate, more and more truthful, more and more humble. There'll be more and more that way through the rest of our lives. And because Christ's love has melted our hearts and filled our hearts, our words will be less and less prideful, less and less swearing, less and less boastful, less and less haughty, less and less gossipy, that's what will happen. So our words are not perfect, but they will 
show that our faith was, in fact, genuine. And if our words show that we did not trust Jesus, if our words show that our hearts had not been melted by his love and filled with his glory and majesty, if our words show that we did not trust Jesus, then our words will condemn us. And that'll show that we were not saved because we were not connected to Jesus, his forgiveness, his perfect righteousness. And so we will face God's judgment forever. So feel how weighty this is. Your words don't earn salvation for you, but your words will show whether you're connected to Jesus who did earn salvation for you. Watch your words. Watch your words. The day will come when I will stand before Jesus Christ and give an account for every careless word. And you will too. Our words will not be good enough to justify us on that day in terms of earning salvation. But oh, I trust everyone here. I pray for me, for you, that our words would show that we did trust Jesus. Our hearts were melted. Our hearts were filled. There was a growing godliness in our words, holiness in our words, love, humility, tenderness in our words. Less swearing, less complaining, less gossiping, less lying in our words. Do you see what James is saying here? Watch your words. That's the first reason. Second reason. By nature, we speak sinful words. Verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his own body. Okay? James says no such thing. Nobody can stumble. Nobody can not stumble in what he says. So James' point is that we all are sinners by nature and by choice. We all have sin natures. And when Jesus saves us, he breaks the power of our sin nature. And he implants a new nature in us. But the old nature is not taken away entirely until when? Heaven. So in this life, between now and heaven, we're battling. The old nature, the old man, we're battling. And the old nature still speaks sinful words. You have the old nature in you still, and it speaks sinful words. I mean, think about it. How, how hard do you have to work, discipline yourself to, to gossip? Anybody say, hold me accountable. I want to gossip three times this next week. Okay. Anybody need to do that? Gossip just flows out of the sinful nature, right? I want to really work on, I need to complain more this week. Once a day, whenever, like noon, I'm going to just take some time and just make sure I'm complaining. No, complaining just flows out of our sinful nature, right? So you have a nature in you that left unchecked will just flow out in sinful words, which is why we need to watch our words. Watch our words. I mean, think about if you had some farmland, okay, nice brown, loamy farmland plowed. Now, if you didn't put any effort into planting seeds, would, what, would, what would grow? Would, would like corn grow? Tomatoes grow? What would grow? Weeds right? Weeds, that's what naturally grows unless there's effort. And in the same way with our own hearts, unless we're putting effort into trusting Christ, seeking him, beholding him, letting him pour his spirit out upon us, worshiping him, unless we're putting effort into nurturing that in our hearts, what'll grow will be the weeds of gossip and of lying, swearing. That's what'll grow. So be careful about your words, because by nature, 
we speak sinful words. Third reason, words can bring terrible destruction. This is verses 3 through 6. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide the whole, their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. They're so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small little member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Yikes! We've all got one! See, James wants you to be like trembling at this point. Ah! Yes. But think about the massive destruction your tongue can cause. Cost David Brainerd his degree from a school he'd been at for a couple of years. One sentence can destroy a marriage. Right? One sentence can divide a church. One sentence can cause a brother in Christ to stumble. Our words can cause great destruction. Now, I've got some more reasons here that are going to make us tremble more, but I just want to tell you ahead of time, there's good news at the end here. Okay, so it's not hopeless. Okay, so just file that away. Got some more to go. But it's serious. I don't think any of us takes our words with the seriousness that we ought to take them. And I want to make sure that we, Grace Church, we feel this, and then we'll embrace the good news that James has for us. Fourth reason, by ourselves we cannot tame our tongues. See, some more bad news here. By ourselves we cannot tame our tongues. Those words by ourselves is very important. But look at what James says in verses 7 and 8. Every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. And so animals can be tamed and trained. Okay, I grew up with dogs. We had dachshunds, wiener dogs for a while, and then we had beagles. Any dachshund beagle fans here? Okay, it's amazing what you can train animals to do. Roll over. They roll over. Okay, give them a little treat. Shake. Okay, shake. Give them a little treat, right? Uh, speak. They speak. Okay. Say, and is that how it is with your tongues? You tell your tongue, be nice. What does your tongue do? Spouts out ugliness, right? Tell your tongue, tell the truth. Tongue will lie, right? So our tongues are not able to be trained. No human being can tame the tongue, James says. Okay, well now, if no human being can tame the tongue, why are we talking about all of this? Like I said, we're going to come to that in a moment. Because notice those words, by ourselves, we can't tame the tongue. Keep that in mind. But there's one more reason why we must be careful about our words. Fifth reason, our words quickly change from good to evil. Verses 9 through 12. With it, that is with our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse 
people who are made in the likeness of our God and Father. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So I carry around a bottle of water in my backpack and just reach right about here. I can grab it. Just it's right there. Pull it out without even thinking. Take a swig. Okay. And, and I don't even look at what it is because I know every time I do that, it's going to be clean, fresh water. There's never been a time where I pulled it out and it's like, whoa, what's that salty? No, it's, it's consistent. Just it's water every single time. I don't even need to look at it. Okay. But our tongues are not that way. If at two o'clock this afternoon, your tongue is speaking kindness and love and care, does that mean, well, it did it at two o'clock? Does that mean at four o'clock there's going to be kindness and love and care? Not necessarily, right? If at six o'clock tonight you're, you're humble and you're serving people around you with your words, does that mean that at nine o'clock your tongue is going to continue in that same mode? It might be proud. It might be exaggerating. It might be boasting. We all speak love and encouragement one moment and then criticism and harshness the next moment. It shouldn't be that way. But that's another reason we need to be careful, right? The fact that you were on a roll of speaking loving words this morning doesn't mean you can stop watching your words in the afternoon. So here's five reasons we need to be careful about our words. Because we'll be judged by our words because by nature we speak sinful words, because our words can bring terrible destruction, because by ourselves we can't tame our tongues, and because our words quickly change from good to evil. So, final question. What can we do about our words? If all we had was verses 1 through 12, you'd think it was hopeless, right? Because you got verse Eight, no human being can tame the tongue. That sounds hopeless. But what James is saying is that no human being can change his tongues. He's not saying no one can change his words. He's saying that apart from Jesus Christ, no one can change their words. It's apart from Jesus Christ that it is impossible for you to change your words. But with Jesus Christ, you can. The reason I say that is because of what James already said back in chapter 1, verse 26. This gives me hope. Look at what he says. Chapter 1, verse 26. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So in other words, if you think you're saved, spiritual, have worth, worthwhile religion, but you don't bridle your tongue, then your religion is worthless because you don't have the true religion of Jesus Christ. So James is saying, if you, if you think you're religious and spiritual, but you don't bridle your tongue, your religion is worthless. You don't have the true religion of Jesus Christ. Which means that the true religion, the true faith of Jesus Christ will enable you to build, bridle your tongue. Right? Do you see that? If you aren't bridling your tongue, then you don't have the worthwhile spirituality, faith-based religion of Jesus Christ. Because the true spirituality of Jesus Christ, faith-based religion of Jesus Christ will enable you, will persuade you. 
you will be bridling your tongue, which means that Jesus Christ does enable you to bridle your tongue. Here's, here's how it works. See, apart from Jesus Christ, apart from knowing God through Jesus, our hearts are left empty, our hearts are left bitter, our hearts are left proud. And what kind of words do empty, bitter, proud hearts speak? Well, proud words, angry words, complaining words, swearing words, gossiping words, lying words, ex exaggerating words, right? That's where our hearts are left. But Jesus Christ, this is so important, listen to this, Jesus Christ is so real and so near by faith alone and so glorious, and so loving, and so majestic, and so powerful, that when you turn to Jesus, even in your sin, and say, help me, I trust you, forgive me, change me, satisfy me, he will move in upon your heart in powerful ways. He will change your heart, and as you seek him in prayer, and as you seek him in the word, I tell you, you've experienced this, his love will humble your pride, doesn't it? His love will humble your pride. His glory, his majesty will satisfy your heart emptiness. You'll be full. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. I'm so full of you. All I want is you. You're awesome. He'll fill you to overflowing. His promises will bring peace to the most worried, stressed heart. His promises will impart peace to you. His presence will calm the most angry, bitter, frustrated person. When you turn to Jesus Christ by faith alone, he will move upon you. When you seek him with prayer and the word, he will change your heart. And when that happens, when our hearts are humbled and satisfied and peaceful and calm, the words that flow out are loving and humble and kind and truthful. Let me give you five steps to take to, to accomplish that. But what I want you to see is that you by yourself cannot change your words. But Jesus Christ can totally change your words because he changes your heart. And the mouth speaks out of the fullness of the heart. So here's five steps I would suggest you take. First, just look carefully at your words. Be honest. Be honest about your words. After conversation, stop and think. Why did I talk about that? Where was I going with that? What was in my heart that made me want to say that? It's helpful to ask that question. And because our mouths speak out of the fullness of the heart, our words reflect what's happening in our hearts. And so notice your words. Start to think about your conversations. That's what James would have us do. So do your words breathe love for Jesus Christ? Do your words give grace to the people around you? So they're all strengthened in the Lord or, or are intrigued by, by who the Lord might be from your, from your words. Are your words humble and loving and caring and truthful and kind and tender? So look carefully at your words. And then second, confess sinful words to Jesus and receive his forgiveness. Let, let your sinful words humble you before the cross. Here I am once again, Lord. Forgive me for boasting this afternoon. Forgive me for impatient words with my wife. Forgive me for lying at work. 
here I am again, forgive me. And the moment you turn to Jesus and say, forgive me, you'll be fully assured you're completely forgiven. You're clothed with his perfect righteousness. He's delighting in you by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's a beautiful thing. But let sinful words humble you before the cross. Third, ask Jesus to transform your words. I would encourage you to pray Psalm 90, I'm sorry, Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. David needed to pray this because there were times when his words were not acceptable in God's sight. That's why he prayed this. Join David. Pray this. Start praying this verse. Even every day, maybe add this to your prayer list in the mornings. Lord, today, let my words be acceptable in your sight, please. And watch what happens day by day by day. Fourth, understand that just as Jesus said, the mouth speaks out of the fullness of the heart. Matthew 12, 34. So listen, don't try to change your words just by your own, like gritting your teeth, by your own willpower. Oh, I, I really want to gossip, but I shouldn't gossip, so I'm just, going to, I'm just not going to say anything right now. That's not how Jesus wants your words to be changed. He wants you not to want to gossip because your heart has changed, because your heart is so full in him, you don't need that dark pleasure of having a secret about somebody that you can tell your friend. Your heart's already full and overflowing. That pleasure, who cares about that pleasure? You don't need to gossip. Jesus wants your words to be changed by changing your heart. So don't try to change your words by gritting your teeth. Change your words by changing your heart. And that's the last step. Jesus can totally change your heart. This is the, just the best news in the world. Jesus can change your heart. Change your heart by trusting all that God promises to be to you in Jesus Christ. See, when you humbly and prayerfully put everything else aside and just come before God the Father in Jesus' name and say, I'm sorry, help me. Help me to see more clearly all that you've promised me in Jesus Christ. Help me to see Jesus more clearly. And you open up the word and you pray. I promise you, I mean, you've all experienced this, but, but God can take the most bitter heart and transform it. Just drain the bitterness out and pour the peace in. God can take the most worried, anxious heart and you, all of a sudden you see God revealed in Jesus and his faithfulness and his promises. Why am I worrying? Look at who God is. And the worry drains out and the peace flows in. You've experienced this. Or impatience, maybe against about your kids. Just come before the Lord and say, Father, I'm impatient. I'm just so, they did, they did this again. Help me. And he'll, he'll say, trust me. Let me fill your heart right now. Let me satisfy your heart right now. You need to go and talk to them. You need to go and discipline them. But get that anger gone. Get that impatience gone. Look at who I am. He will fill you with peace. He will fill you with patience. The hardest heart, the angriest heart, the loneliest heart, the most bitter heart, the emptiest heart can all be transformed by Jesus Christ. He promises You've experienced it. I've experienced it. 
seek him for it. Because then when he changes your heart, your words will be changed. Our words can be changed, Grace Church. Every time our words can be changed if we'll turn to Jesus Christ and trust all that God promises to be to us in him. So take heed to these five reasons why we need to watch our words and then let's press in to have our hearts changed so that our words will be changed. Let's stand together. I want to pray this over us. Have the worship team come on up. <clears throat> Father, I pray that you would take this word, this seed which has just been sown, and that you would implant it deeply into our hearts. Don't let Satan take it away. Don't let it be choked out by any sin in our hearts, but by your unstoppable power, unleash the power of your word and change us right now, I pray. Have us see how urgent it is that we watch our words and have us be filled with hope, Lord, that by your power, our hearts can be changed so that our words can be changed. So pour out your spirit upon us right now. Convict us where we need to be convicted. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Show us your power where we're not believing that you can change our hearts. Come and do whatever's needed, Lord, so that this week our words are different. Bring your power upon us right now. In Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord with the team.